better than, uh, I mean, even if Noel Hutton got hurt, that's good. That's good. Stuff. Hey, how y'all doing today? Y'all good? Hey, can I, I just want to lead you in a worship song. Can I do that? Is that okay? Right. Ready? Just a good old boys, never meaning no harm. Y'all know that, right? I love that show. I love Hazard. I've been looking everywhere for the General Lee. It's the only place that cars can squeal tires on dirt. I love Hazard. I tell you, I love Kentucky. Melissa and I, my wife, is with me today. We have been uh, different places across the country doing stuff with churches. And we've been, you know, on the East Coast. We've been in Santa Monica on the West Coast. And I tell you, when it, when it comes to the, the beautiful places in the world, Kentucky uh, is, is the top place to be. It's beautiful in Kentucky. And we love Kentucky. I love Kentucky churches because we know how to skin a buck and run a trout line and a country boy can't survive, right? You know, that's why I love Kentucky churches. Hey, listen, today I'm super excited to be here. Mark, uh, you know, I've coached a lot of guys over the years, and I, I was even telling Melissa on our trip up to Hazard that Mark is just one of those guys. You know, some people you coach, and, you know, as soon as you hang up, you're like, they're an idiot, they'll never do it. Uh, but Mark is one of those guys, man, I'm telling you, uh, I learned as much from him as he learned from me, just listening to his heart, his passion, the fact that you guys have blown up so much uh, is just evidence that the hand of God is on Mark uh, and Elena, and I got to meet with some of your leaders last night, man, unbelievable people. And I'm going to tell you something, you should be thankful uh, that you've got a lead pastor and a wife, uh, that you have a leadership team at this church that's really in it for the gospel business. Amen? You should just be thankful. I'm telling you, man, there are churches all around the country that don't have that. There are churches all around the country that, that don't understand what it really means to be the church. And I'm just happy to know that you've got a lead pastor and a leadership team that surrounds him that's in it for the right reason that's in it not for a stage and a spotlight or a check, but they're in it because they know there are people who are far away from God that if we don't reach them, they're not going to be reached. And so this morning, I, I just want to spin off this weird marriage, uh, you know, because I, I, I love what Mark's been doing with this. And, and I want to talk to you on the subject this morning of damaged goods. Damaged goods. And, and we'll, if you have your Bibles this morning, if you want to go ahead and find Matthew chapter 10, we're going to be there just for a little while today. Uh, Matthew chapter 10. Listen, there's a lot of weird marriages out there. How many of you know that's right? I mean, there's some weird marriages out there. And, and I want to tell you that religion is one of the number one causes for making weird marriages. Religion makes weird marriages. You know, I remember when I was a kid, see, I'm a PK, preacher's kid. My dad's a pastor. Caveland Church was started in the tobacco barn with 33 people. My father started that church. Uh, you know, we were raised very traditional and very religious. And back in the day, man, uh, you know, religion teaches you that to be a good Christian marriage, you know, you go to bed with a suit and tie on, quoting King James Version. You know, that to be a good religious marriage, you can't have any fun. You know, everything that you have in the house has to have a picture of Jesus on it. And all your clothes have to have the fish sign, Right? I mean, that's, that's the Christian, that's weird, man. That's weird. That's not what Christian marriage looks like. You know, I think we, we often, we, we just kind of misappropriate what Jesus was really, what he really looked like, what he really meant when he said that I'm going to give you life and life to the fullest. People think of Jesus as being this guy, you know, uh, that when you walk down, you know, you walked in the town of Jerusalem or wherever he is hanging at, you know, it, people think that they would walk in and go, there he is, that's Jesus, let me tell you, Jesus blended so well 
with those who were around him. When it came time to arrest him, they had to hire Judas to point him out because he looked like everyone else. And you see, I just believe that God wants our marriages to be full of passion, full of love, full of him. I believe God wants our families to be full of of just the grace and the mercy of God. And I'm going to tell you the reason that a lot of families have fallen away from God is because the church has set this ridiculous religious standard that no one should have to meet. And when they look at that standard and they look at their marriage and their family, they automatically just say, you know what, we can't do that. We can never be used by God. I'm so glad that God takes messed up people and does miracles, aren't you? Man, I am glad that God can take messed up people and do some amazing things. Are you in Matthew chapter 10? Say amen. amen. Listen, y'all, we in Kentucky, y'all got to talk, okay? Y'all got to talk to him. I mean, you don't, don't make me pull the Baptist hack out because we can do that. I was raised with the Baptist hack. Y'all know what that is, right? The Baptist, you know, we, like, we up in here, and I tell you, God is on your side. Hey, we can do that all day. All right, but we don't have to do that, right? All right, look at your Bible. Look at verse 1. All right, listen, let me just set this up. Here Jesus is, and I just want to translate something into the family uh, of today because what we see here is Jesus building uh, the first church family. Uh, you know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church. It's interesting, Jesus was a carpenter, and he's always building something. And the Bible says that uh, when Jesus said build, that that word build has a a, uh, present and future tense in the Greek that means that God don't build, but he's always building. How many of you know today that God is always building you? That you don't just become a Christian and that's it. I love John chapter 1. The Bible says, and to many is believed on him, to those he gave power to become the sons and daughters of God. Again, present tense and future tense, that we're always becoming something for the Lord. And so I want us to look at this, and I want us to look at who Jesus chose and just kind of what that first church family looked like because I think we're going to find some encouragement in here because I just have to wonder how many families may be here today that automatically say, you know what, we come to Summit, we love Mark, we love what's happening there, but at the end of the day, we really don't qualify to do anything for the Lord because our marriage isn't this, our family isn't that. I was raised on this side of the tracks. Uh, I've got a past that goes in this dark area of my life. So we love the idea of coming to church and it's nice and it's warm and fuzzy. Can I say something to you today? I don't give a crap what your background is. God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your family I don't care if your son's in prison today. God has a plan for your family. He has a plan for your son. Hey, listen to this. Verse 1, the Bible says, And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The name of the 12 apostles were these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve, watch this, these twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can the church say amen? 
All right, so listen, damaged goods, because that's what I see here. Uh, how, many of you, uh, how many of you women, and if you're like my wife, you probably don't do this a lot, but how many of you women, when you go to the grocery store, have you ever noticed the, the buggy, the, the grocery cart that has like the cans in it with dents on it, or the cereal boxes where the corner's been, you know, kind of crushed in, and they're discounted because they're considered damaged goods? You ever see those? Now, my wife, you know, she's a real stickler for stuff like that. If I bring home a can of green beans and there's a dent in it, the first thing she says, there's a pinhole in it. And if there's a pinhole, air's gotten in that thing. And if air's inside of it, now bacteria's growing. And so that's going to be a Don't be buying that, Joe. What's wrong with you? I mean, here's, here's what I have to go through every time I come home from the grocery store. Did you check the expiration date? And then I lie and say, yeah. And then as soon as she turns her head, I'm like, God, please let it be okay. You know, that's just the way she rolls. I mean, that's the way she rolls. And, 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 and so, you know, but here's the thing about damaged goods. Now, I can understand the can thing, but let me tell you, one of my favorite cereals are Lucky Charms. You like Lucky Charms? I love those, the little marshmallows. Here's what I like to do. Let me, let me just tell you my routine. You know, I get up in the morning, I make my coffee, and I fix my Lucky Charms, and I want to let them set just for a little bit. You know, because that milk gets those marshmallows to a, just to a certain point that they just kind of melt in your mouth. You know, I love them. I'm hungry. I didn't, I didn't eat much breakfast. Lucky Charms are awesome. Listen, here's what I've learned about Lucky Charms. That no matter if you buy them off the shelf or out of the damaged cart area where maybe a corner has been crushed in, the outside of the box doesn't change what's on the inside of the box. That the content inside of the box has been, that those marshmallows are just as good as those that seem to have no flaws on the outside of the box. See, here's what happens with a lot of families. Here's why a lot of marriages disqualify themselves of being used of the Lord. is because they look at their marriage and they see crushed corners and cracks and crevices from life. And they look at themselves and they say, you know what? We are so damaged that God can't use us as a family. We're so damaged we can never be a part of a life group. We're so damaged uh, that we could never lead a ministry or serve. We could never reach our neighbor with the gospel. Look at who we are. Let me tell you, let me just remind you of what God said. Do you remember the story about little David? You know, God said, hey, he said, listen, Samuel, I'm tired of you whining around. Get up and go anoint a king because, man, Saul has dropped the ball. And the Bible says that, that here comes Samuel. He finds Jesse. He said, bring your boys out here. God's chosen one to be king. And then here's David's brothers, and they're all muscular and big, and they're seasoned in warfare. And Samuel says to himself, surely this is one, uh, that one of these guys are going to be the king of Israel. That, you know, Jesse's family is, is just filled with all of these well-experienced, uh, these damageless people. They, they don't seem to have any flaws. And God just kind of picked Samuel on the shoulder and said, hey, Samuel, uh, just a reminder, I don't look at men the way you look at men. I look at what's on the inside of man. And let me tell you what's wrong with most churches today, most Christians today. We look, we look at ourselves and we qualify ourselves. Hey, can God use us? And we, we, we qualify that about what the outside of the box looks like. Let me tell you something about, about people who appear to have no dents because here's probably what happens every Sunday. You come to church and you probably look at the family sitting next to you and you're like, man, I wish my family was like that family. And if we're honest, probably a lot of us have those thoughts. We, we see the family come in, they get the cute little kids, you know. I've never seen so many kids in my life here, by the way. 
This is like the mother, you know, the woman that lived in the shoe. You know, the kids everywhere. It's awesome. I love that. And, and, and so, you know, you come in and you see all these families, and, you know, and they got all their cute little kids, and, and the sixth grader is, is just polite to his little sister. And you're like, man, what, what's wrong? My family's so damaged. Let me tell you, go home with them and you'll see the reality. Because here's what don't happen, I promise. When they leave church, that little sixth grader don't look at his little sister and say, sister, by all means, please sit by the window. I would gladly sit in the middle. That don't happen, does it? I mean, the only reason they act so well in church is because the parents have threatened their life. Hey, listen, listen, kids. I got a stick in the truck. Now, you better get in there and act like you got some sense. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. Why do you say the listen? Let me tell you, here's the point. Every family, every marriage has cracks, dents, and damages. Everyone, all of us. From front to back, all of us have those things going on. Here's the difference. Some of us have learned to camouflage better than the other. Some of us know how to hide them. Some of us threaten our children. Some of us, just the grace of God, has just given us this expression that, wow, God is doing great things in our life. Let me tell you, every great story of glory has a story of darkness. Every family that God is using, I guarantee it, you find a family, a marriage that you want to be like, that's serving God, that God's doing things in their family, I promise you they're going to have a story and tell you about a time when they weren't quite sure what was going to happen, a time that they looked at their self and saw a damaged husband or a damaged wife or an affair happen. I know we don't want to talk about those kind of things, but it's just reality. A son gets hooked on drugs and no one wants to talk about those things, but it's a reality. And it's a reality in Hazard. It's a reality in Cave City where I'm from. It's a reality in Los Angeles. Let me tell you why it's a reality. It's because Satan is after the marriages today. Satan is after the marriage because the marriage is the only unit where one is stronger than two. It's the only only unit, it's the only Christian, the covenant of God, where two become one and now one is stronger than two. And the enemy understands this. And so this morning, I want to just talk about some things that I believe that Jesus wants you to know. And listen, you may be sitting back saying, man, I'm the most beat up, wrecked box of lucky charms that there is in the building today. I've got good news for you. God loves using train wrecks. God loves using people that other people say can't be used. Think about the nature of God. I mean, you remember when when God looked down, he didn't look for the perfect box of lucky charms. He found people that had some crushed places in their life. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Do you remember Abraham and the whole story? You know, hey, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many many nations. In other words, you're going to have a bunch of kids, and they're going to have kids, and, and, you know, through your bloodline, the Messiah is going to come. And yet God used this marriage where, you know, Abraham ends up bedding down with his maid, Hagar. I mean, how messed up is that? That's crazy, isn't it? And yet God said, my grace is sufficient. I'm still going to use you, Abraham. Think about Moses. You want to talk about a messed up marriage? I mean, can you imagine taking your baby, you know, putting him in a basket and setting it down on Tennessee River and just kind of letting it float away? Man, that's messed up. Moses turned out to be a murderer. He would cut you. He's a bad dude. I mean, you don't mess with Moses. He's a big guy, murderer. Couldn't talk very well. Couldn't say poop if you had a mouthful. 
And yet God said, you know what? Moses, I'm going to use you and your family. Well, hang on, God, because i got all these crushed places, and I'm damaged, and I'm in the cart that no one wants. God says, that's why I want you. God says, I'm going to take the things that are foolish, and I'm going to make them strong in your life. God says, I'm going I'm to take the things that are messed up, and I'm going to use those things to exemplify the grace and the glory of the Almighty God. Because when God takes damaged goods, and, and, and when he does divine things, you and I can't take the credit for it, can we? It's only the Lord. It's on the Lord. So, hey, let's read this. Let's read this. I want you to look at this. The Bible says, watch this, he called the 12 disciples, watch this, and he gave them authority. He gave them authority. So here's what we see, that Jesus is giving his little family, his first family, the authority of the kingdom. So here's what I want you to know. Jesus gives families kingdom authority. You need to know that. You need to know that. It's interesting. I love the way this is set up. The Bible says he called the 12 disciples He gave them authority. Watch what happens. They go from disciples to apostles. Isn't that amazing? He says, I'm calling the disciples after issuing authority. He says, and the 12 apostles are, and he begins to name them. Let me tell you what happened when you came to Christ. You may not know this. Hey, but husband, God gave you some authority of the kingdom. Wife, God gave you some authority of the kingdom. You don't have to be the devil's punching bag. And you may say, well, you know, I don't know. You know, we just got to live this way. We've made a lot of mistakes. I know you've made mistakes. We all make mistakes. But because you are a child of God, you have the authority to fight for your family. You have the God-given authority to fight for your marriage. If your husband is getting on your nerves, don't leave him. Pray for him. If your children are out in left field, don't run and say, God, there's nothing we can do. The Bible says God gives kingdom authority to his families. God never sends us. He never puts us in a position where we are defenseless. When we are in trouble, we look up, and we know that God has our back. God never sets the family up to fail. How many of you know that's true? And listen, I know some of you like this. You're like, well, hang on, man, Listen. You know, I got stepkids, and, and she's got stepkids, and we got a couple of kids together, you know. Listen, I don't care. I mean, think about Jesus. Do you realize how messed up his earthly family was? I mean, think about this. Here Mary is. She gets, you know, all big and pregnant. And, and, and can you imagine telling your neighbor, you know, they're like, whose is it? You're not married. God's. I'm, how messed up is that? You got pregnant by God? Can, can, you, can you imagine the scandal that took place in Nazareth? Can you imagine how Joseph felt? I mean, the angel came and said, hey, Joe, listen, don't divorce her because the Holy Spirit is going to put the seed of the Word inside of her, and the Word is going to take flesh upon it, flesh and bone, and move into our neighborhood, and some big things are coming. So don't, you know, don't push her away. But can you imagine, I mean, what that looked like? Jesus had a stepdaddy. Did y'all know his name was Joseph, by the way? He had a stepdad, Joseph. His real father was in heaven. So you stepdads out there, listen, you're biblical, baby. You're biblical. Jesus had a stepdad. You, you listen, it's good. It's awesome. 
So God can use any family, and he gives the family kingdom authority. He doesn't bring you to a place just to let you get beat up. When Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross to give us redemption from sin, a placement in heaven, but he also died on the cross to give us the authority of the kingdom. I love what he says in Matthew 16. Jesus says, Peter, unto you I give the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth should be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth should be loosed in heaven. Isn't it interesting that the Bible says that Jesus gives Peter the keys, plural, more than one key? You know why the enemy, you know why, say, why Jesus gives us more than one key? is because the enemy has more than one scheme and everything you need to prevail and prosper in your family. There is a key for it, my friend. And if you will just seek Jesus and unlock the revelation of Scripture and know that God has a plan. There is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. Amen? Hey, listen, here's the best part. Even if you die, you still win if you're a Christian. I mean, I know it's hard to deal with the fact that you got to go to a place where there's no more tears. Uh, You know, pavement's made out of gold, walls of jasper, no funeral homes, no chemo, no cancer. I mean, I know that's hard to deal with, but that's not a bad option. I mean, that's not about, we win in the end. The grave has lost its victory and death has lost its sting. We win in the end. We have the authority to stop what the enemy is doing to our family. Do you believe that? And so here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, watch this, I'm giving the family some authority. And why is he giving us authority? Well, here's why. Watch this. Look at your word. I want you to see this and look at verse um, Look at verse 5. The Bible says these 12 Jesus sent out. So he gave them authority, and he's like, listen, this authority isn't to sit and listen to Mark preach every Sunday. This authority is to do what God's created you to do, and that's love people where they are and love people with the gospel to love people with the love and the grace that God has loved you with. I'm sending you out on mission. I want you to see this. The Bible says he sent him out and said, go, watch this, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus gives family kingdom mission. Kingdom mission. Every family, you have the authority of the kingdom, and I don't care what your family looks like, how damaged it may look on the outside, God is more concerned with what's on the inside, and there's a mission that God has just for your family. And I love what he says, watch this. He said, I don't want you to go to the other places yet. I want you to take care of Israel first. You know why? Because mission, the mission field starts at home. The mission field doesn't start here. It starts in your living room. I mean, you ever, unless some of you know this. Some of you will get mad probably. But you, you, ever, you ever seen men that come to church and they're just so friendly? And like, we're so glad to see you. Good morning, Pastor Chad. God bless you. You know, on Sunday, it's always Hallelujah. How you doing? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm doing good. Hallelujah. How are you? And they're so nice to everybody. And the spouse just can't figure out. If he's so nice to everyone at the church, why does he treat me like a dog at home? Or the, or, or the woman is just so friendly and, and so not, and, and, and she's just so warm and fuzzy. But how come at home she is so cold and indifferent? Let me tell you something. It don't mean anything what happens here on Sunday if it's not right at home. And Jesus says, your first mission is your family. Your first mission is husbands love your wives, is Christ love the church. 
That means you need to kiss her every now and then. You need to love on her, man. Pick her some flowers. You know what Melissa and I do here? Listen, here's our deal. We're crazy. You want to talk about a weird marriage? We got one. We love it. Here, here's what we do. In the summertime, I got a Jeep Wrangler. And man, in the summer, we'll drop the top. We'll turn on some tunes. We'll crank them wide open. We get my Wrangler, and we go yard selling looking for records because I, I bought a record player, Vintage. And then at nighttime, we'll play records on the deck, and we'll dance, baby. Oh, we'll dance on the deck. Our neighbors think we're pagans. Guarantee it. They, 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 they have lost their mind. We'll crank Frank Sinatra up. We'll crank up Skinner. We'll be, if I leave here tomorrow. I mean, man, we, why? Because I love her. She's my first mission. And if it's not right with her, it's not right with anyone. That's why the Bible said, husband, love your wife is Christ. Love the church. A woman, be submissive to your husband and the things of the Lord. That means stop nagging the man and love the man and follow the man. Everything you want your husband to be, only you can draw out. And everything, man, that you want your wife to be, you have to pull it out of her. That's the way God set this thing up. Your first mission, Jesus says, watch this. I don't want you going and taking care of everybody else's business when your business is left undone. I want you to go to Israel first. I want you to go to those of your own. And let me tell you, one of the pre-pastors especially, I've coached pastors all around the country. I've talked to, you know, spoke at different conferences. And one of the biggest mistakes pastors make is they marry their church and divorce their wife. They just don't put it in writing. They marry their ministry and they'll take care of the youth group, but they won't take care of the three kids at home. And when I say take care, I don't mean write a check. I'm talking about going to the stinking ball game. I'm talking about letting them know they matter. Because God has called us on mission. Let me tell you, if you want your family to love Jesus, you better love them with Jesus. Amen? Hey, listen. I was raised, man, old school. You know how Kentucky rolls. I was raised in that stuff. I hated church. I didn't get saved. I was 22 years old. Because what church taught me was that in order to be a family that's, that's built by Jesus, that you had to be ridiculously boring, and you had to be stiff and stale, and no, you, know, you had to dress like you're going to a funeral every Sunday, you know, hated wearing dress pants, make you feel naked, you know, especially in the wintertime. They're like this thin, hated it. If you got them on, I'm sorry, don't raise your hand, we won't laugh at you, but you know, it's a code day for dress pants. You know, I hated the whole church thing. Let me tell you what, here's the mistake I made. Listen, I'll just be very transparent with you. When I first got called to preach, I, I was telling your leaders and, and, and Pastor Mark last night, I was the best Pharisee in Kentucky, man. The best Pharisee. I, I kept jack chick tracks in both pockets. And if I saw you coming, I had them out. This was your life, right here. Hand them out. And man, unchurched people hated me because I would look at them and say, you better turn, you better burn. You got to make it a sin. Turn or burn. Jesus said, you know, and I'd scream and holler and I'd like idiots get dog cussings, almost getting a few fights, crazy stuff. And man, my kids were all little. And, and, and so anything that came in the house, it had to have Jesus on it. Every song had to have Jesus' name mentioned at least three times. They couldn't listen to it, you know. All the vehicles had to have Christian bumper stickers. On Wednesdays, we all wore Jesus t-shirts. And and what I did is exactly what was done to me. I caused my, my older kids to hate church. And I'll never forget, 
Um, because I put all my time and energy in growing a church instead of growing my family. I spent all my time and energy into making sure things were right at the house of God instead of the house that God gave me to lead. Jesus says, I'm sending you on mission, but you need to take care of your own before you go anywhere else. Take care of those of your own household. And let me tell you, our youngest daughter, Ayla, she's 17. She's absolutely beautiful. And I love that, but I hate the fact that boys love that too. She's at that critical age. And I remember our older kids, they come over one time for a, uh, we had a cookout this past summer. And I remember Ayla, you know, she came in and she had her iPhone and, and I don't know, her phone went off and it rang some musical, so I don't know, whatever she listens to. I mean, it's not bad stuff, it's just stuff, you know. And I remember the older kids saying to, to Melissa and I, Joella, she said, Mom, I'm so glad that y'all kind of loosened up a little bit. And you know what? Ayla, our youngest daughter, she loves Jesus. She knew we were going to be here today, you know. So it's so funny because last night she called. She's like, uh, Dad, um, I think I'll just not go to church since you're not going to be there. I said, Ayla, you should go to church anyway. I don't know. I'm tired. i got to work this afternoon. I'm just going to stay home. Like, whatever, I just kind of left it alone. It wasn't 30 minutes later she called back. I'm probably going to go ahead and go to church. I just want you to know. Let me tell you, if we rewound about 20 years or 15 years, if I would have raised her the way that I raised my older kids, I guarantee it she wouldn't have went. She would have done the same thing that I did. I, I, man, I was out of church like a bullet at 17. I lived a crazy life. I met Melissa uh, when, when I was like, 20, you know, I was 20 years old, she said, are you a Christian? I lied like a dog and said, yes, I am. Because she would not date someone that wasn't a Christian. She was a Christian. I knew all the Bible stuff, raised as a PK. And at the age of 22, I fell on my face before God and said, God, I am a train wreck. How in the world could you ever save someone like me? And in that moment in my life, the grace and the love of God fell on me. And I knew then that God had a plan for my life. And I'm going to tell you, Trying to bring religious standard to your family is not what Jesus wants. You know what Jesus needs in the family today? Grace and mercy. You know what Jesus wants in your families today? His standards, his love, his mercy, his extension of grace through each of us. Watch this in your word. I want you to see this because this, this is the most important part. The Bible says in verse 7, And as you go, go proclaiming, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So here's what he's saying. Listen, every family represented here today, you have a mission to carry a message. Now some of that, I know that might freak some of you out because you're like, well, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher. I love the words of a famous theologian that said, preach the gospel and use words when necessary. Let me tell you, families, you have the opportunity. You may say, I don't know what my mission is. Well, I can tell you one thing that you're called to do. Every family, I don't care if you're a stepdad, a greasy granddaddy, I don't care what you are and your, what, what that looks like. I just have to believe that nothing happens by coincidence. Don't you? I don't think God looks down and goes, wow, how'd that happen? It just, it just don't happen. And no matter what it looks like today, and I don't know what happened to get it there, I just have to believe that God still has the power to work things together for the good. And no matter if sin is what brought your family to where it is, or you made some past mistakes and you're just trying to recover from that, let me tell you, God is still working some things together 
And if you will trust God, God will give you the power to become everything that he wants you to be. And by the way, your mission is to proclaim the kingdom, not so much by, with a stage and a microphone, but how you live your life around others, and most importantly, how you love others. Because you see, here in Kentucky, we got it all backwards. We think the only way to get people out of hell is to scare it out of them. Scare it out of them. You know, we, we go to them with these, these terrible hell stories. Skin's going to melt. Demons are going to eat your guts. Shoot, I'd get saved, wouldn't you? And then we have someone dressed up like a devil. Boo! Everybody gets saved, right? Let me tell you how people really get saved. When people have the, revel- the revelation that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, died on the cross for their sins, and that He loved us not as we should be, but as we were. And He loved us so much that He said, even though you're messed up, I still want to do a work in your life. You know what we as families need to do? We have neighbors right now that live right next door to us, and we still don't know their name. Isn't that a shame? Jesus said, love your neighbor. Some of our neighbors are messy. And we're like, I wouldn't know what to say to them. I don't have the turn and burn sermon down. Listen, how about just saying, hey, why don't you all come over and eat with us? And if they come over and drop the F-bomb two or three times, don't point a finger at them, just love them. And say, hey, man, come to church. Mark would love to talk to you. <laughs> he won't care. He's heard the F-bomb before. He knows. Love your neighbor as yourself. What is the mission of the kingdom? Love people. What is the mission for the, the marriages? Listen, reach other married people. Let them know that following Jesus is not some strange, awkward, religious, pious duty. That loving Jesus means that your marriage can be a hot, smoking, passionate marriage that glorifies God and causes others to thirst for it. God's called us to reach people. And let me tell you, there's some people that just aren't they're not going to hear you. Verse 14 gives us an exit strategy. And for those that don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. We are called as the families of God. Listen, we've been given power to fight against the devil, and he's real. Don't listen, don't, don't think the devil is just some little red being in hell with the pitchfork sticking people. The adversary is real. And the enemy don't want you to know about authority because he don't want you to believe in who he is. You'll never fight against what you don't believe in. Did you know that? The devil's best secret is to get you to think that he's locked up in hell somewhere. He's not. Some of you rode to church with him this morning. You know, guarantee it. That's why there's hair between your fingers. You, you know, had the, the dog fight, and then you smiled at everybody when you got here. The enemy is alive and well, and he's in Hazard, and he's in Cave City, and he's in New York, and he's everywhere, and he is after the family. Because let me tell you, I want to just leave you with this. And and if you don't remember anything else I've said today, remember this. I don't care who the pastor is, what kind of church it is, where it's at, how big or how small it is. The church is only as strong as the families in them. Make the families strong, you'll make the church strong. Make the families grow spiritually, the church will grow spiritually. God honored families so much that when it came time for God to be torn from the heavenlies to pay a price that none of us could pay, he said, I'm going to institute my son in the human family. That is how important family is. 
And this morning, you know, I don't know your story. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe today you're sitting here and you're like, man, if you knew about my family, there's no, you wouldn't even be talking, looking at me. Let me tell you, I don't care what your family looks like. The most wrecked family on the planet, Jesus died for you. Jesus died to give you freedom from sin, to give you grace and mercy, to grow and to become everything that he wants you to be. And this morning, maybe you're here, and maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel. I don't know. But let me tell you something. Here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus can save anyone, no matter where they're at. Do you believe that? You, you know, Kentucky style, you've got to have a mourner's bitch, got to blow some snot, right? No. There's nowhere in Scripture that says that altars and snot is a part of salvation. The Bible says salvation comes through grace. It's a gift of God. And let me tell you, you can be saved right now sitting in your chair. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord is saved. John 6, says no one can come to the Father except there's a drawing. And some of you are probably here right now and your heart's kind of acting weird and you don't know what the heck is going on. You're like, why am I feeling this way? That's called the Spirit of God drawing you. That's the Spirit of God convicting you. I know conviction is kind of a bad word. We think about court and being convicted of a crime. Here's what conviction means to God. Conviction is God's permission for you to repent. Conviction is simply God's permission saying, you have my permission to repent and become a son or a daughter of God. And some of you are here right now, husbands, let me tell you, your kids need a dad, but they need a spiritual leader. And that starts with salvation with Jesus. Moms, your little girls, they need a mom to look up to. But let me tell you, they need a spiritual role model. They, they need someone to live it out what it means to follow Jesus. Not this religious crazy stuff, but what it really means to love Jesus and love life and love one another. And if you're here today and you have never met this man named Jesus, you know, if you know what to pray and what to say, go for it. But maybe you're here today and you have no idea how to even pray. Let me tell you, I don't have mojo. My words are not magic. I don't have a secret prayer that guarantees heaven. But I can tell you what the Bible says to do. And sitting in your chair right now this morning in the middle of Hazard, Kentucky, you can make Jesus Christ the Savior of your soul. He died on a brutal cross. He took all of your sin and all of my sin and he put it upon himself. And he bled and he died and he paid the price that you and I couldn't pay. To get into a perfect heaven where there's a perfect God, you have to be perfect. And guess what? None of us are. All of our cereal boxes are damaged and we're not perfect. Jesus says, I will take all of our damages, put it on myself, and I'll pay the price. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment, please? Listen, if you're here today and you have never met the Lord if you know what to pray, do it. If you feel like you need to come front to pray, up front to pray, do it. If you want to go to the back, I don't care. Just know that God is the only way. He is the only way. Jesus Christ is the only way. No, there's no options here. He's the only way. If you sense God is dealing with your heart and you don't know what to say, would you just say this to the Lord in faith believing? Make this your prayer today. Say, Lord Jesus, today... I believe, I know, Father, that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry, I've sinned. I've broken the law. And say, so, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for all of my sin. Thank you so much. Thank you. And if you are ready to be born again, if you're ready to become a Christian today, would you just say this to the Lord? Say, say Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. 
And I trust your work on the cross, what you did for me. I trust you for my salvation. Save me. And the Bible says that if you have prayed that prayer in faith believing, the same is saved. Now I want to tell you, that's the first step to coming to Christ. The Bible says next, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now listen, I'm not going to jump off the stage and come to you or hand your microphone. Neither will I call you up on the stage. Mark is not going to chase you. But just for the fact that, that we can celebrate with you today, celebrate with the angels of heaven because you've made a decision to become a Christian, with heads bowed and eyes closed, just so we can know and celebrate. If you did that today, would you just lift a hand for a minute and say, Today, I've made that decision to trust Christ. Just lift it high for a moment, would you? Just lift it up. There's a hand there. Is there anyone else? Just says, Today, I've done that. And there, anyone else? Today, I've made that decision for Christ. Man, that's awesome. Hey, listen, at the end of this service, uh, there's going to be some guys and gals in the back that would love to talk to you about your decision to follow Jesus. And whether you raised your hand or not, raising your hand doesn't make you a Christian. It's a decision made in the heart. So whether you raised your hand or not, if you made a decision to trust Christ as your Savior, please take just a moment and stop by in the back. They want to give you a new Bible and another book for you to take home as you start your journey with Jesus. They're not going to baptize you. They're not going to put you in a membership class. They just want to meet you and just congratulate you on your decision. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't even understand what that means. Maybe you know God's dealing with you and you just have questions. They would love to talk with you. No strings attached. No, nothing pushed on you. They would just love to talk to you about what's going on in your heart. So, somebody, can we give God praise today for those that made a decision for Jesus? Can we? Let's just do that now. Amen. Hey, listen, here's what I'd like to do. Would you join me in standing, please? I, I just want to pray for you today because let me tell you, the families of the church are under attack. There's a generation of children that are under attack. At Caveland Church in Cave City, one of our big ministries is recovery. We run three recovery homes there. And I tell you, there's nothing that is more heartbreaking to see children come in where mom and dad is either in prison or living in a recovery home, and these little kids have no idea what tomorrow holds. Some of you know what I'm talking about because I just described your family. And maybe it's not your family, but it's someone in your family. Let me tell you, the enemy is after the Christian family. Good news. You have the authority of the kingdom to fight back. You have a mission of the kingdom to reach them. And you have the message of the kingdom to change them. The message of God's love. And so I want to take just a moment and I want to pray with you today. And listen, I don't even know, I don't know your story and don't need to know it. But I just have to believe that God has just done some stuff inside of some dad's hearts. But listen, dad, it shouldn't be the wife that has to kick you out of bed every Sunday. You should be the spiritual leader. And it's time that we men rose to the occasion. And let's be the role model that God has called us to be. Let's be the husband that God has called us to be. Let's be the spiritual leader. Doesn't mean you have to be a preacher or a deacon or an elder. But it means that you need to love God first and let everything else evolve around that. Someone asked me once, they said, uh, Pastor Chad, how do I become a better father for my family now that I'm a Christian? I said, it's real simple. Read the Bible and everything Jesus says do, just start doing it. That, that's it. If you'll do that, your life will change. How many of you know that's true? Amen?
your life will change. So listen, I, I just want to challenge you. Maybe you're here, Dad, and maybe you don't crack the book. Maybe this is the only time you read the Bible. How are you going to lead your family if you're not reading the Bible? How are you going to love your wife as Christ loved the church if you don't even know what that means? Wife, how are you going to love your husband if you're not letting Jesus speak to you? You know how to get life in your marriage today? You know how to get passion back in your marriage? Let Jesus speak to it. Hey, listen, I want you, I want to, before I pray, let me give you this. John chapter 6, Jesus says this. Watch this. He says, flesh and blood profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit, they are life. Here's what that means. It's one thing to read the word, but it's another to hear the word. Jesus says the rhema, the spoken word, is what brings life to a marriage. But let me tell you this. The Bible is the only microphone the Holy Spirit will speak through. So if you're not reading the Bible, Dad then you can't hear the words of God spoken to you other than conviction that you need to be reading it. When you read the Word of God, man, God will speak to you. Jesus says the words that I speak into your marriage is going to bring life to your marriage. It's going to bring healing to your marriage. It's going to bring restoration to your family. Moms, those of you who have kids out there that you go to sleep every night in tears and you have no idea what tomorrow holds, read the Bible, trust God. He will speak peace into your heart. God loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. So whatever is going on, I want to challenge you. Be a disciple. Read the Bible. Pray. Come together. Say things are going to change. And we're going to be the marriage that the world calls weird, but that God calls glorious. So would you bow with me? Let me just pray with you. Father, I just want to thank you today, God, for all that you're doing, Lord, here at Summit. I thank you for this awesome vision of Pastor Mark and his staff and leaders. Lord, you're doing so many awesome things. God, I know that Hazard, Kentucky, Lord, your thumbprint's on it. You're going to do something. Lord, the best is yet to come. They haven't even seen it yet. But, Lord, we know that in order to harness and, and, and Lord, to just, just be the, the catalyst of what you're wanting to do, the family has to be strong. We know that marriages have to go to the next level. We know that dads and husbands have to become obedient. We know that moms have to be the example. Lord, we know today that, God, you give us the blueprint of what that looks like in Scripture. So, Father, I just want to pray for every marriage that's been challenged today, every relationship, Lord, that feels damaged, indented, that has disqualified themselves. Lord, I just pray that they would be reminded that you don't look at the outside of the can, but you look at the content on the inside of the can. And Lord, we know that you do great things with broken hearts. So, Father, I pray, raise up leaders and families and people here, Lord, that would, be, that would walk in your authority, that would be on mission, and that would have the right message to see Hazard, Kentucky, change forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, Summit, let's give Chad a big hand. Thank him so much for coming. Hey, listen, listen. It's like we said earlier and like what Chad has said. You know, I believe that God has really spoken into a lot of families today. And, and here's what we want you to do. I know that several people raised their hand uh, to indicate that they gave their life to Christ. A lot of you made decisions today. And here's what we want you to do. Will you just let us know about that? Say, how can I let you know about it? The card that we pointed you to earlier, your connection card, if you gave your life to Christ today... 
Check the box there on the back of that card that says that you did that. And listen, on your way out there in the back of the auditorium, we've got free Bibles, free book for you. Will you just tell somebody there, hey man, I gave my life to Jesus, now what? And they'll help you out. If you, if you need prayer today, why don't you stop in the back and talk to somebody. But listen, if, if you're a first-time guest with us today, listen, we, we, we've already, we, we just thank you so much for being here. When you leave, we've got a free gift for every first-time guest. Out there in the lobby to the right, we've got a free gift for you. And, and if you're a returning guest, if this is your second time or, hey, you've been coming for a whole year, all right? If you're a returning guest, we've got a gift for you. We want to put something in your hands, and we want you to go to the next step booth today, all right? That's out there to the left. But listen, Listen, whatever, whatever your next step is today, don't leave today until you take it. And don't leave until you let somebody know. We've got guest service volunteers that are going to be at various places all throughout this auditorium. You can drop off your connection card uh, on your way out today. But make sure you let somebody know about how God's moved in your life. Hey, next week is part three of Weird Marriage. I'm telling you, it's going to be a big deal. Look at the person next to you and say, you better bring somebody. Go ahead and look at them. You better bring somebody because you know somebody needs to be here. Hey, listen, our band is going to play us out. Listen, Summit, we love you. Thank you so much for being here today. You guys are dismissed. See you guys next week.